You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Christmas song. That would be the song right there. I love that one. Now, I was scheduled to sing a solo today. But uh, I don't think anybody wants to hear that right now from me. But I tell you, I'm hitting some bass notes that I've never hit in my life before. And so I was trying yesterday, I was trying to sing, I was thinking of Brother Cole. And I was like, I'm trying to sing, ship, oh, it didn't work. And it wasn't working for me, even with the low bass notes I was getting. But uh, take your Bibles this morning to Luke 24. Luke 24, I do apologize for the voice. And I thought I was just having allergies. But a couple days ago, I started feeling... Uh, coming under the weather with some stuff. And we've got a lot of people that have been feeling that way. But uh, I'm uh, all doped up on some Tylenol, so I'm ready to go this morning. And, uh, and I've got Brother Jones preaching tonight. And uh, so you don't have to hear this voice more than 35 minutes or so once per d- today, all right? But uh, so be back for that. And uh, the Sunday night service last week I loved so much. And uh, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping I can feel a little bit better this evening and try to get back here. Um, I apologize. I'm going to duck out during the invitation. I'm going to have Brother Weldon come run it. It's just because I just don't want anybody to get, get sick. I'd love to stick around in fellowship, and I hope that you will. Uh, but uh, I'm going to duck out a little bit early, okay? So I just want to give you that in advance so you know that's coming, okay? But it's good to see the Goddard. So glad that you're back. I'm sorry I can't shake hands and all that. I, I don't want to get anybody sick. And Brother Nick's here, and they just had a baby. And I wanted to come see that baby, Brother Nick, but I've been... Dealing with this, so we're going we're gonna to see that baby soon, though, so we're excited for you. Is it James? All right, we're excited. Number three, there it is. The third is always the best, you know? Isn't that right, Bianca? You know, I'm talking about the third, and uh, because I'm the third. And No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking, but uh, I'm trying to look. Who else is third born in here? Your third born brother, Slater? Never mind, that breaks it, okay? But uh, all right, no, we got a couple. All right, brother Josh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, good. Luke chapter 24, our series is Christmas through Scripture. And, uh, of course, Christmas is a celebration of the birth of the Messiah, which was prophesied so long ago that there would be a Savior that would come and redeem his people. And so we can see that promise throughout Scripture. And I think it's interesting, you know, on, on uh, t- this time of year, we usually just kind of celebrate or, or talk about uh, uh, Matthew or Luke or something like that. But you can see throughout scripture, the promise of the Messiah. And so we're going to look at some of that. Last week we saw the seed promised in the book of Genesis. We did Christmas in Genesis. Now look at Luke chapter number 24. We're not doing Christmas in Luke, okay? We already know where that one is, but we're going to do Christmas in something else here, okay? But look at verse 20, uh, look at Luke 24, and this is Jesus before he ascends back to heaven after the resurrection Notice what he says here, verse 39, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye, as ye see me have. And so he's telling the disciples, hey, look, it's me, Thomas, it's me, and, and others. And then, let's go on further down here, as he's talking, verse 44 is the verse we're looking at. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. 
So Jesus was saying that Moses wrote about Jesus. Jesus was saying that David in the Psalms and others wrote about Jesus. Now when we read the Old Testament, we don't see Jesus' name there. But we see oftentimes, they may not even known that they were, they were prophetically or foreshadowing that the Messiah would come. And I want to show you today Christmas in Psalms. Christmas, oh, by the way, you can show the puppy. Show the puppy. You did it now. It's too late. This is the newest member of our family. This is, what's his name? What's it? Bowser, that's it. Bowser. He's a Jack Russell Terrier, and he is terrorizing us right now. My fingers are all cut up, just this gnaws on me, but, but we love him, and he is great. He is right now six weeks old. We got him a week ago, and uh, he's six weeks old and uh, have, having a good time. Probably not having a good time right now but uh, while we're gone, but uh, he's been having a good time. So our, our kids were all excited about it, so there it is. We got the cat and we got the dog. So many of you have been concerned when you found out. You said, what about Louie the cat? Louie is three times the size of this dog, but yet he's still so afraid of the dog. And so I see Bowser, he'll hunch down and just kind of like do this little hop, you know, and Louie will just run away, and I love it. I'm like, yes, get him, get him. So that's why we got him, all right. But uh, so there it is. I was going to show you the picture. There it is. Now, can we get to the message, sound people? Thank you. All right. Christmas in Psalms. So we saw in Christmas in Genesis, the seed was promised. The Mary's child, the seed of a woman was promised. That was the Messiah. And now we're going to see the substitute promised. Now, <clears throat> I will tell you, when it comes to Psalms, it talks about Jesus. And uh, absolutely it does in there. In fact, you could call some of the Psalms Christmas songs. And again, I apologize for my voice, but it's just going to be this way for a little bit. But uh, you can see that some of the Psalms could be called Christmas songs because they're talking about the Messiah. Take your Bible, go to Psalm 22. Psalm 22 in your Bibles. Jesus in the Psalms. You say, well, where do you see that, Pastor? Let me help you with this. 25 different Psalms include at least one prophecy of Christ. 25 include at least one prophecy of Christ. The Messianic Psalms are quoted, Psalms referring to the Messiah, are quoted in 11 New Testament books. So very often, even in the New Testament, the Messianic Psalms are quoted. Over 70 specific references to Christ in the Psalms are fulfilled in the New Testament. So 70 specific references about Jesus Christ, prophecies, are fulfilled in the New Testament that just come from the book of Psalms. You sang this morning, I was following along in my office, Joy to the World. You sang Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Do you know what that song is based off of? Isaac Watts, the hymn writer in the 1800s, based that, psalm, uh, that song off of Psalm 98. So a song about Christ's coming was, was uh, taken from Psalm 98. In the Psalms, we can see Christ's birth. In the Psalms, we can see his godhood. In the Psalms, we can see the victory that he promised or that was prophesied. But I want to focus on the fact that God, that Jesus came as our substitute. Look at Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is a psalm of David that David wrote because he was going through trouble. But it was also basically a foreshadowing 
of the cross of Jesus Christ. It's an amazing passage. When you, when you take Psalm 22 and you combine it with New Testament passages from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that uh, it matches up so well that David was writing about his own experiences. But yet, I don't know if he even knew that he was writing a foreshadowing of the cross of Jesus Christ. And by the way, there's no coincidence that the next psalm there is Psalm 23. Here's the good shepherd giving his life for the sheep. So let's look at Psalm 22. And as we go through, remember, we're not just looking at how it applies to David. We're looking at what David is talking about in reference to Jesus Christ. So we're going to stop and compare some things. Look at verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Now, if you're familiar with New Testament scripture, Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, when Jesus was on the cross, one of the seven sayings that Jesus had on the cross was, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which being interpreted means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So Jesus knew what he was going to say when this was written. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Verse 2. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, and that, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and I'm not silent. I think this is probably a lesser foreshadowing. But it was showing that, that day and night, day and night. And on the cross, it was daytime. And then darkness covered the land. In, in the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 45, darkness over all the land. Look at verse 6. Verse 6, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. Reproached and despised. Does that not call to memory John chapter 1, verse 11, where it says, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the verse now, he came unto his own and his own received him not. He came into his own, but he was mocked and, and ridiculed and despised because of it. Look at verse 7 and 8. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he, delight, he delighted in him. Now, I want you to hold your place here, because we're going to come right back. Would you look at Matthew, please? Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27. And if you look at verse number 39. Now keep in mind what was said in Psalms. It was said there that they would laugh him to scorn, shoot out the lip. Um, and then it says in verse 8 that they would say this. He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him, let him deliver him, seeing he delighteth in him. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 39. And it says there, And they passed by, reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. So that verse there 
is the same as verse 8 almost in, in Psalm 22. He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighteth in him. So again, we're seeing a foreshadowing. Go back to Psalm 22. Let's look at just a few more, and we'll jump ahead to the next part here. Psalm 22, verse 14. And it says there, oh, by the way, I, I think I, I skipped one. Verse 12 and 13, I'm sorry. Verse 12, many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. What are the bulls of Bashan? What is that talking about? My understanding, now some people think it means evil spirits. But my understanding of the prophecy of foreshadowing here, I should say, is that the people, when Jesus was about to be crucified, it, it was the people like a stampede came around him trying to kill him. It, 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 was, it was a group of people that were, that were uh, saying out with their, their voices, like in verse 13 there, crucify him, crucify him. They were running upon him trying to, trying to make sure that they, he got killed. Verse 14, it says, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. Of course, we know that the cruci crucifixion does that, causes no broken bones from Christ, we know that, but that his bones would slip out of joint. Verse 14 talks about his heart melting like wax. And we know that, that uh, one of the major traumas of the cross was the strain that it put upon the heart. Verse number 15. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. What did Jesus say on the cross? Another, another of his seven sayings was, I thirst. I thirst. Verse number 16. If you don't believe me so far, believe this. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Jesus was pierced, of course, with the nails in his hands and in his feet. Verse 17 tells us, I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. Jesus was exposed on the cross, naked. In verse 18, it says, they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. So Matthew 27, 35, they crucified him, parting his garments, casting lots. Keep in mind, that crucifixion was not a Jewish thing. Crucifixion was a Roman thing. So a great uh, obvious proof of inspiration was that David would not even know what that was because it was a Roman thing. So how could he know about crucifixion? So another just proof of inspiration there. So this psalm, what's it showing us? It's showing us that Jesus came to be our sacrifice. In fact, the word I, I was supposed to put on there was the sacrifice promised. The sacrifice promised. So if you wrote notes, you got to go back and correct it now, all right? It's the sacrifice promised. He was our sacrifice in the Old Testament ceremonial sense, where you offered a sacrifice in order to pay for sin. But there's another meaning of the word sacrifice. Sacrifice, if you look it up, means this. An, <clears throat> an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. You ever make a sacrifice for somebody else? You know, you say something, you know, I guess I could sacrifice a little time for that, you know? And you may feel like it's a sacrifice to go spend time with family during Christmas or whatever it is. You may feel like you're, you're doing something. There's a, a sacrifice to be made there. But what it is is you're giving up something of value for something you deem to be more important or more valuable. We aren't more important than God. We aren't more valuable than God. We aren't worthy of God, but he valued us. And he came as our sacrifice. What does it mean that Christ came to be our sacrifice? 
Number one, I want to say this, just give you three thoughts this morning. Number one, it means that Jesus surrendered. He surrendered. I'm going to take a drink of this water real quick, folks, all right? He surrendered. Did that make it better? It cleared up. Everybody good now? Okay. I notice that when I'm sick or when I am, I've preached and I haven't felt well or whatever, it's so much quieter in here. And I'm always like, are people like just thinking, pastor, shut up and go home? Are people thinking, poor guy? You know, like what's going on? You can say amen, even if I'm not speaking loud. I can move this up here, okay? All right. We'll be okay. All right. It means that Jesus surrendered. Now, what did he surrender? Luke chapter number 22, verse 42 says, Jesus saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. What did he say in John 4? That he came to do the will of him that sent him. So Jesus submitted himself and his will to the Father as an example to us. Jesus was willing to give up something of great value, his life, because that was the Father's will. Can I ask you this morning, what are we willing to surrender for him? What, he came and he gave up his will, and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane praying to his Father, saying, not my will but thine be done. And yet oftentimes we go to God and say, not thy will but my be done. Oftentimes, we don't surrender anything to God. A sacrifice is only a sacrifice if something of value is given up. If you give something up, but it has no value to you, it's not really a sacrifice. One of our kids, my wife's birthday was two days ago on the 9th. And uh, one of our kids said, here you go, Mom, I'm going to give you some candy. I don't like it. And she's like, oh, so you're giving it to me because you know that I like it? No, I just don't like it. I just, you know, so I figured I'd give it to you. Happy birthday. Well, is that really a sacrifice? Now, look, if it was a bag of Skittles, and I'm going to give it to you, Skittles, that is a sacrifice. Because Skittles are the best thing ever created. All right? But, but what I'm saying is, if it's not of value to you and you give it up, you didn't really sacrifice. You didn't really do anything. You know, our sin has no value, yet we hold on to it. Our sin has no value, but we might as well give it to God. Our will does not carry the same value as God's will. So surrender it to God. You get something of more importance back. You get something more worthy back. I see that when, because Jesus was our sacrifice, I see that it means that he surrendered. Can I say secondly, because Jesus was our sacrifice, it means that he suffered. It means that he suffered. Being a sacrifice means that you are laying down your life for another. He was the sacrifice for our sins, the sins of the whole world. He suffered hell on the cross. Now why? I'll tell you why. Because sin brings suffering. Sin requires sacrifice. And so instead of us doing that, instead of us paying for our own sin, he came to suffer and die for us. But I'll say this, when you choose to sin, you're choosing to sacrifice something valuable for something that is not valuable. When we choose sin, you, when we choose our sin over God's will and God's plan and his commandments, we're sacrificing things. We're sacrificing sometimes a clear conscience before God. We sacrifice sometimes a good night's sleep. Sometimes we sacrifice a strong relationship with the Lord. We can sacrifice peace because of our sin. We can sacrifice joy or blessings and many other unintended consequences. 
But let's remember this time of year that, that Jesus came to this earth, not just as the seed promised, but as the sacrifice promised. That little baby in a manger, I couldn't look at my kids and think that this baby was going to die for the world. I could never do that. But, but that's why Jesus came. When Jesus was, by, by the way, let me, let me just have you think about this for a second. You know, once per year, one time per year, we celebrate the joy of Jesus' birth. One time per year, we remember the triumph of his resurrection. But once per month in our church, we remember the suffering of our Savior when we have the Lord's Supper table. Why? He suffered for us. He was born and he died and, he died and rose again. But the suffering was supposed to be for us. But he didn't. He, he took that away. When Jesus was on the cross, he was crucified between two thieves. One of the thieves repented. One of the thieves did not. And so we see here there's a repentant person. We see an evil, unrepentant person. And we see Jesus and they're all suffering the same fate. They're all suffering. What's that mean to us? It means that everybody suffers. Whether you're repentant, whether you're not, everybody is going to suffer in some way or another. But the Bible says, let no man suffer as an evildoer. Don't suffer because of your sin. Suffer because, because we're all going to suffer in some way. Suffer because you're living right. Because there's much greater reward for that when you do that. I say thanks be to Jesus who died so we could live forever in a place without suffering. I read a story about D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody told this story about um, a Christian lady that he knew that had this tremendous spirit. She was always upbeat, always happy, but because of her health, she was confined to her room. This is the 1800s. She lived on the fifth floor, the top floor in an attic of this, uh, uh, this apartment building or whatever. And uh, a friend of hers decided to come visit her. And it was in a rundown part of town. And so she said, you know what, I'm also going to bring another friend of mine. But the other lady she was bringing was very rich, very wealthy. And so these two ladies went to the house. And they, went to the, and they got to the second floor before the, before the rich lady looked over and said, what a, what a dark and filthy place. And the first lady said, it's, it's better higher up. So they go to the third floor. And then the lady says, the rich lady says, things look even worse here. And she said, it gets better higher up. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is, is cracking there. And she gets to the fifth floor. And she opens the door, and there's that lady. And she's got a smile on her face. She's bedridden, but she's excited to see her friends. And the rich lady kind of walks into the house and, and doesn't really know what to say. So she says, it must be very difficult for you to live here like this. And the lady in the room without missing a beat, says the same thing. It's better higher up. It gets better higher up. I want to just encourage you today, it gets better higher up. And we, you know, we, we live in a world of suffering and pain. And we question, why, God, why are you allowing suffering and pain? Because there's sin in this world. But what did God do? Did he just leave it? No, he sent his son 2,000 years ago as a baby to live with all the, all the sin and all the hunger and the thirst and the poverty and the walking around in dirt and living as a, as a human on earth so that he could one day suffer the greatest suffering ever known to deliver us from a world of suffering. That's a great thing. He, come, he came to be our, our sacrifice so that it could be better for us higher up. Now, I love that thought. I love it. Jesus being our sacrifice it means that he surrendered. Jesus being our sacrifice, it means that he suffered.
And lastly, Jesus being our sacrifice means that he was our substitute. That's where the word substitute came in, all right? But uh, it was our, he was our substitute. Jesus was not born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago to come pay for his sins. He was born to come pay for our sins, to suffer and die in our place as a sacrifice. A good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, and that's exactly what Jesus did. He stepped in front of the firing squad for you. He took you out of the prison even though you were guilty and took your spot in the cell. He pulled you back from the angry mob seeking to crucify you and placed himself on the cross because he was our substitute. He took our place. Last night, one of my kids came and got me at 1230. Well, I should say this morning, 1230. And I smelled the kid before I saw the kid. And I was like, what am I smelling? And, and so I get a light turned on and I look, covered head to toe in vomit. I'm going to describe it to you. No, I'm kidding. I won't do that. Covered. It's like dripping. And my first response was, oh, what in the world? You know, and I, and I don't do well with smells. Like, when I, as soon as I got a whip, I was like, oh, oh. You know, I, was, I was dry heaving a little bit. And I said, all right. All right. You know, like when you're trying to figure stuff out, okay, all right, all right. And you're like putting pieces together. That's what I was doing when you were sleeping. I'm figuring out what am I going to do with the vomit. So I was like, okay, get in the shower. Get in the shower. Don't let anything touch anything, all right? Ball up the clothes, and I'm going to go down and figure out what's going on in your room. So I go down, and I go into the room, and I go over to the bed. And I look at the bed, and I am... A, Four or five times, I just start dry heaving, like gagging. <laughs> the smell and the sight. You want to know what it looked like? I didn't think so. I didn't want to either. I was thinking, what did you eat? You eat a Smurf? What is this? You know? And just like, all, it, it, was, it was bad. And I'm sitting there feeling like garbage. And I'm like, oh, some taken blankets off the bed trying to figure out, and then I just, you know, I see like, it's, it's just everywhere, so I just take the whole thing, all these blankets, all these covers, and I go put it in the, in the, uh, uh, what's it called? Washing machine, why couldn't I think of that? Probably because I never use it, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, I put it in there, I put soap in, I don't even know what I'm doing. I press a button, I'm trying to read instructions. Who reads instructions on a washing machine? And I'm reading, you know, Apparently, I didn't do it right because I stayed up till it was done so I could put it in the dryer and there were still chunks. You want to know what the chunks look like? I'm just kidding. I'm joking. But uh, I was like, okay, this is not good. Put it, so I was taking them out and I was like, oh, right, put it back in. You know, I washed my hands about 52 times last night, this morning. Put it back in there. I was like, okay, you know, it's, it's wet, so it'll be good till morning. And uh, I can ask for directions further at that time, okay? Because my wife was, was sleeping. I didn't want to wake her up. So they get out. Uh, I'm trying to be ambiguous about who the kid was, you know, so not to embarrass that child. And, uh, and so get the kid set up in the den because I had to scrub the mattress, scrubbing the mattress and spraying stuff and just smelling it. And it's on my hands and just, oh, it was terrible. Get the kid set up in the den. You know what? You know what would justice would have been? The kid made the mess. Kid's got to clean it up. Right? I mean, that's fair. The kid was the one that ate too much or whatever. The kid cleans it up. 
I mean, some of you are like, my dad would have done that when I was three. You know, whatever. But, but you know what? I, I, I tell you that story not so that you'll feel bad for me. But yeah, kind of, you need to feel bad for me. But, uh, and think that, hey, I am dad of the year. Absolutely, of course. But we made the mess. And Christ came to clean us up. Didn't we? Absolutely. I heard a story about the war between Britain and France when Napoleon Bonaparte was in charge. And men were being conscripted, like, you know, the draft, drafted to go to war. And there was a, a one particular man who was being drafted, but, but there was a rule, there was an exception. If someone went in your place, you didn't have to go. And so there was a man who was conscripted to go to the war, and uh, he, uh, the, the people came to collect him, and he said, no, I was shot two years ago. They said, What? said, yeah, I was shot two years ago. Check it out. And so they went and checked it out. They said, how, how, how could you be killed in action? You're here alive. And so they went and checked it out. And they found out that the military records showed that, yeah, he was killed in action. But what had happened was when his name came up, a good friend of his came to him and said, man, you have a large family. And I have nobody to, to depend upon me. I'll take your name, I'll take your address, and I'll go. In your place. The man was shot and killed. So they refer the case to Napoleon. They go all over the chain of command and say, Napoleon, this guy's trying to get out of it. You know, he's trying to get out of, of being drafted. Napoleon decided that the country had no legal claim on that man. So we have no legal claim because somebody went in his play, place and died for him. Jesus willingly took our place. Jesus willingly did. Not because he had less to lose, but because he loved us. And because of that, the law has no claim on us. It has no claim on us. Why? Because we died 2,000 years ago with Christ. It's an amazing thing. We see in the scripture here that Jesus was the seed promised in Genesis. But in Psalm 22, we can see that he was the sacrifice promised too. And I just wonder today, is your will surrendered to God? Because his will is of greater importance than your will. I wonder today, what are you sacrificing by choosing your sin? What, what are you giving up? And then is it worth it? It's not worth it. Jesus died for us, and he might not ask you to die for him, but he does ask you to live for him. So today, just some thoughts from the book of Psalms, and I know I probably would have preached a little bit longer so if I didn't have the voice thing, so I'm sorry to disappoint some of you. The rest of you, you're welcome. But I hope today you'll think about the fact during this time of year that Jesus came and surrendered as our sacrifice. He came and he suffered as our sacrifice. And he came as our substitute as a sacrifice. So we ought to be giving some things back to him. Say, what can I give Jesus for his birthday? You can give him your present, your today. You can give up your sin because that's what he wants. It's best for you. You can surrender your will to him and say, God, whatever you want for me, however you want me to serve in the church, however you want me to witness to coworkers, whatever you want for me, I'll do it. And you give it to him, deciding to live for him. I'll die for Jesus. Why don't you live for Jesus? Let's do that this year. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, thank you for the, the fact that you are our sacrifice. 